Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for allowing us another weekend to come out here and worship you. Praise your name. Thank you for uh, allowing us to safely come and gather and listen to your word. Help us to open our hearts. Uh, let your word come in. Uh, pray for Pastor Tom. Uh, use him as a conduit to, to give us your word through him. Pray for the children as they come up here and, uh, and worship with Tom in the children's church. And again, just open all of our hearts. Let us hear your word. Let us take it in. Let us take it and apply it to our everyday lives. Amen. Amen. Good morning. Welcome to Hope. I'm Pastor Tom. It's good to have you with us. If you are visiting with us or if you have any prayer requests, we encourage you to fill out this piece of paper and we will follow up with you accordingly. Uh, you can just drop it in the bucket on your way out and we will take it from there. Uh, you can also communicate prayer with prayer requests with us through our website. Um, we would love to know what's going on and how we can be in prayer for you. You can also click through our website to our online portal, find each other, register uh, to be in the portal, and then you'll get our, our email updates and text messages and those kinds of things to let you know what's going on around here. Speaking of which, um, we have uh, two reboot groups currently going on reboot is a ministry that is it it they we host a 12-week uh study that is for people who have experienced trauma um, we have one reboot on saturday mornings that is for military personnel anyone who's been in the military uh, and their loved ones are welcome to come with them and sort of debrief trauma together um, and then we have a reboot on Tuesday nights that's for anyone because well life trauma they tend to go together um, so those are our two reboots the reboot on Tuesday begins at 6 right here at Hope the one on Saturday for military former military etc uh, and their spouses and loved ones is on Saturday morning that begins at 0900 um, and then we are also trying to form or make a boundaries class. Where's, I think Jack is uh, guarding the door. Um, but uh, uh, we're still trying to get enough folks together to make that class. So if you are interested in that, um, I think it's also about, I don't know, 10 or 11 weeks. And uh, that study is just to help you kind of set boundaries, healthy boundaries in your life for where to say no, when to say yes, etc. Um, and that is on Thursday nights at 6, also right here. Then coming up later this month, we will re-kick off our Tuesday night Zoom Bible study. We've had several requests, particularly from people who were at Hope and are now in other places. They would like to Zoom in with some of us, and so we're going to make that happen on Tuesday nights, I think it's 7, via Zoom, that study will focus on just sort of um, deepening your understanding of some key portions of God's Word. So there'll be we're using a Navigator series, if you're familiar with their material, uh, to kind of give us the, the high points of various scriptures. And then those scriptures will be discussed and reinforced during that uh, Zoom Bible study. Tuesday nights at 7 coming. That starts February... 
21st. All right, so we still got a couple weeks for that one. Um, anybody else can, like, not believing that February is already here? Anyone? Anyone? <laughs> it's, it's February. Yeah, where, where did that go? Um, what's that? Yeah, how many days until Christmas? I don't want to know. Um, and uh, so, speaking of February, we have an annual uh, chili cook-off here at Hope Church that's going to occur later this month, two Sundays from now, is that right? Okay. And we currently have only four of you who are brave enough, well, only three of you who were brave enough to sign up to take me on. So there's four people signed up. You're, you're, didn't your kids win it a couple years ago? Came in second. Okay. Oh. Yeah. I think I think the Russians were involved in counting the votes that year. I'm just saying. I mean. Spasibo. Dobre jutra. Spasibo. Who said that? Bill? You come at me, bro. Come at me. All right. So if you're wondering how to sign up, you will need access to our last uh, Hope Church newsletter email. Embedded in that is a link to a sign-up genius. If you didn't get that email and you want to sign up, Pebby, raise your hand. The beautiful Pebby Garner will be available to uh, sign you up. And if they click on link on well, if they don't have the link no. on the web page, you can go to our website. That's even easier. So go to our website, click on the link to the Sign Up Genius, and say hi to Pebby anyway. She's lovely. I highly encourage it. Say that again. 323 days to Christmas, John. Yes. All right. Yes? Okay, so that's a hot link on there to go straight to the Sign Up Genius. Go to our webpage, click around until you find it, and uh, that'll be good. Uh, Dan, a web page is a place on the internet where people can go for information. Yeah, you're still using wet clay tablets, dude. Get it. Come into the, that's army training, sir. All right. Um, love you, Danny. No, you cannot get a break. If I love you, you're not going to get a break. You know that by now. All right. And I got Dean sitting right behind you. He can smack you on the head anytime. No, Dean's out. Okay, so <clears throat> men's group, this, it does. <laughs> Thank you, Jimmy. Actually, actually, it smokes. Yes, there's, there, will be, there will be fire and there will be smoke. Um, so I, I asked three of our men who were coordinating men's night, like what date they wanted to meet in February, and they all told me, that is it the 10th? Is that what's in here? Okay. And then I put, 
I put the 24th on the all-church email because that's how I roll, right? I put the wrong date on the... So we're going to send out another email this week. I will include the Chili Cook-Off link as well. But men's night is this Friday night here. So here's how it works. Some of us will get here around 5, and we'll start prepping for dinner. Dinner will be served at 7, and then somewhere after we eat, there's some scripture and some fellowship that occurs, some discussion, some prayer, things like that. But if you want to come at 5, come at 5. If you want to kick your husband out of your house, you can do so at about 4.45. He can come up here. There will be people here prepping, etc. If you can't get here till 7 or 7.30, you're fine. Just get here. That's how it works, right? And so we'll eat about around 7. We're not, uh, we're not like, this isn't mess. This is just Hope Church. So we'll eat around 7, and then we'll have some just Bible study and discussion, et cetera, after that. Any questions? Men's night this Friday. Yes, sir. Uh, Jeff is collecting suggestions for grub, for what you would like to eat. We did street tacos last time. We, and, oh, we did tamales last time. Then we did street tacos the time before that. Yes. So there's all kinds of options. But let, us, let Jeff know if you have any recommendations, suggestions, snide remarks. I don't care. It's all good. We'll take it. <laughs> Somebody please... Uh, Steak and potatoes. Just, just kidding. Um, okay, we've done that. We've done fajitas recently. Um, not that we can't do it again. But anyway, did I cover everything? Well, there's one more thing. I need just the important people to come forward at this time. If you are in fifth grade or younger, we invite you down for our children's chat at this time before you go to Hope for Kids. Good morning, good morning, good morning, good morning. Y'all doing all right? All right. Let's see. What does God think about you? He thinks nice things. Yes. What does God think about you, Caden? Does he love you? Yes. Does he want what's best for you? Yes. Does he want you to grow? Does he want you to know that he that you have a purpose in this world? Yes. yes. He wants you to grow into that purpose, to become the men and women of God that he created you to be, right? And this is what he wants to say to you. God said this first to a man named Joshua. All right, this is, there, do you remember who Moses was? Who was Moses? Where was Moses born? He was put in a basket when he was a baby. Do you remember that? What river was he, was he floated down? The Nile. Where is the Nile River? Egypt. And Pharaoh's daughter picked up the basket out of the river and took it home. And so he grew up in the king's palace in Egypt. And then 
Who did he lead out of Egypt into freedom? All of God's children, right? So that tells us that one of the things that God wants for you is freedom, right? That's a good thing. Okay, and then after Moses came someone named Joshua, and I want you to listen to what God said to Joshua. All right, can you raise your arm? Raise your arm, and then go like this. Make a muscle. God said, be strong, and then I want you to point. Point out in front of you. Any direction. Point, Mila, like this. Point. And courageous, be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened. Do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. So wherever you go, where is God? Always with you. Always with you. What if you try to run away from God? That would not work. It would not work. <laughs> You know what? I've tried it, and you're right. It did not work. You're exactly right. So can you run away from someone who's everywhere? No, you cannot do that. That's crazy. That's right. And the good news is God is always with you. He says, be strong. Give me some muscles. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. God loves you. He's always with you. And he wants you to grow up into the men and women of God that he created you to be. All right? Can I pray for you guys before you go to Hope for Kids? All right. Dear God, thank you for these precious children. Thank you for the gift that they are to our church, to our families. And we just pray your blessing over them as they study more of your word and Hope for Kids today. Fill them with your Holy Spirit and lead them to a deeper understanding of how much you love them. And Lord, remind them that you are always with them. Bless them and grow them. Be with their teachers and helpers. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Ready, go. Y'all have fun. Will you join me in prayer as we prepare our hearts for God's word this morning? God, our loving Father, we come before you today uh, with all of that which life brings. Um, we come to you with joy, with discouragement, with um, the delight of, of life and being connected to others and with the grief of having lost people we love. We come to you with um, the peace of knowing who you are and how much you love us. And we come to you with the brokenness of our sin and the destruction that it causes in our lives. And we give it all to you. And we pray that as we open your word, that you would open our hearts you would speak to us this morning by the presence and power of your Holy Spirit through your word and toward that which you want for each one of us. And Lord, as we do that, we lay at the foot of your cross the burdens of our hearts that we might be more free to encounter you here through your word today. We give you our sins and failures and disappointments, and we thank you for the forgiveness and 
peace and mercy that are ours in Jesus Christ and his work on the cross on our behalf. We lift before you any relationships in our lives that are strained, and we pray for peace and reconciliation where it is needed. Lord, we lift to you those whom we know and love who are sick or facing uncertain diagnoses or recovering from medical procedures. We pray that you would pour out your healing mercies upon them. Lord, we lift to you those who grieve and pray your comfort over their hearts. Well, we're in church, we lift to you our nation and its leaders at every level of government elected and appointed, and we pray that you would give them wisdom and discernment in the decisions that are before them. We lift up our men and women in uniform who serve to protect and defend the Constitution of this country and the freedoms we enjoy as Americans. We give you thanks for the, those freedoms, the freedom to, to come together and worship you as, as you call us to. And we lift to you those who serve and protect those freedoms. We pray especially for those who are in harm's way. We ask that you would bring them home safely. And Lord, we pray for those men and women who've returned home from their service to our country changed. And we pray that you would use your church here at Hope and around this country and around the world to minister your grace and healing to them, mind, body, and soul. Lord, that your church would send forth your word today and that it would not return to you empty. To that end, we pray for those churches to whom we are connected through our denomination and our missions giving. And we just pray that you would be at work in this dark and hurting world, that your people would shine your light and show your love. We lift to you uh, those missionaries that we support in Guatemala, in Laredo, Texas, in Camajuani, Cuba, in Havana, Cuba, in Beirut, Lebanon, and elsewhere in the Middle East. And we just pray that you would be at work through them to shine your light. And Lord, we lift to you the, the young church plants that are in process in Texas, in New Braunfels, in Austin, and in Dallas. And we pray your blessing over those efforts. Be with us now as we open your word. Open our hearts and speak to us today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, we are in a series of messages called Crystallized. And what we're trying to do is just sort of put the Old Testament into really simple terms. The idea is that there are a few key themes in, in the Old Testament that we need to understand if we're going to open our Bibles and fruitfully read what's there. And so we started the series with a look at the book of Genesis, and the three themes there were creation, the crisis of sin, and the concept of covenant, that God relates to his people to bring them out of bondage to sin and into freedom in Christ through the terms of a divine covenant. A covenant is simply an agreement that is, that is often cut. Uh, there's often blood involved in a covenant. We looked at that. Um, and then last week, we looked at the books of the law, that is Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And we looked at these concepts of deliverance, atonement, and love, the three themes that really echo throughout the books of the law. And Today, we're going to look at just sort of the large group of scriptures in the Old Testament that is often called the historical books. Those begin with Joshua, 
And uh, I don't know, they probably end with like Nehemiah or something like that. Um, I'm not, I can look, I've got a table of contents. You should get a real pastor who like can just rattle this stuff off the top of his head, probably. Um, Esther, dang it, I was one book off. Um, so the books of Joshua through Esther comprise what is traditionally called the historical books of the Old Testament. And when we were introducing the idea of covenant in the first portion of the series, you may have heard me mention that this, this is God's way of relating to his sinful people for deliverance, atonement, redemption, freedom, hope, etc. It's all done through the terms of the divine covenant. You saw that covenant in, in sort of seed form with Adam and Eve when they left the garden. You saw it renewed with Noah, with Abraham, with Moses, and now uh, with David. You see the covenant renewed again in, in the midst of the historical books. And so this is just sort of a thematic overview of what's what, to, what you're looking for when you read any portion of any of those historical books, here's the sort of uh, the key that you want to focus in on. This idea of covenant faithfulness. That God cut a covenant with his people and that he will eternally be faithful to his promise to deliver, to atone, to redeem, to restore, to renew. And so we're going to look at this idea of covenant faithfulness. We're going to start where we started with the kids, Joshua 1.9. This is the first of the historical books. And very early in this piece of, of the Bible, God sets the tone for his covenant faithfulness. In Joshua 1.9, it says this. And this is God speaking to Joshua as the new leader of his people. He says, have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened, do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Then to the next historical book, also very early in this book, God sort of recaps his, the ideas that we talked about previously of deliverance and atonement and resets the idea of covenant in the context of his broken people. Um, grocery shopping, James. The theme of the book of Judges goes kind of like this. Everyone did what seemed right in their own eyes. Chaos ensued. There was pain and suffering because of the chaos, because everyone was going off in their own direction. And eventually, that pain was so bad, God's people cried out to him, effectively saying, we tried it our way. This didn't work out so great, so we're coming back to you. And God raises up a judge who sort of evens the score and reestablishes peace, and God's people live for a generation in peace and harmony with God and with one another, and then they start falling off again. They're going off as each one sees fit. You get the idea. Just lather, rinse, repeat. That's the book of Judges. And so here, early in the book of Judges, we have this passage, and it says this. 
from Judges 2, verses 1 and 2, I brought you up from Egypt and brought you into the land that I swore to give to your fathers. I said, I will never break my covenant with you. And you shall make no covenant with the inhabitants of this land. You shall break down their altars. But you have not obeyed my voice. What is this you have done? So let's look at these two passages sort of together. And the first point that I want us to emphasize this morning is simply this, that God's faithfulness is the basis of the covenant, of his covenant relationship with us. The basis of it is his faithfulness. Why is this important? So, I'll just take you on a, on a quick, um, and I, I don't need to uh, pick on any particular uh, other religion to do this, I don't think. But I've been to several other countries around the world, and I was a religion major in college, so my, my, one of my big interests was how do other cultures uh, manifest and express religious truths, ideas, realities, beliefs, etc. And in, in the religions of the world that are not um, monotheistic, let's leave it at polytheistic religions for now, and we will see this tendency carries over into monotheistic religions because it's really a symptom of the human heart. It's not, a, it's not necessarily a function of polytheism. Polytheism just means your, your religion has lots of gods. There's, there's more than one. There's several of them running around. Sometimes they do crazy things. All right. So uh, one country that I was in, it worked kind of like this. There's, there's literally uh, hundreds of gods. Every animal has some deity or some aspect of deity attached to it. And so if you want that, if you want that thing that that animal represents, uh, then you either eat it <laughs> or yeah. you go to the temple of that god and you make a contribution with a little prayer that says, give me some of that. So if it's, if it's the animal that represents wisdom and you're about to take a test, you might take the subway over, get off at the temple of wisdom, go in, throw a little coin in the well, say a prayer, and the hope is that you come out of there with a little bit of what that God has to offer. And then when you need something else, you take a different subway to a different temple, and you make a sacrifice to a different deity, and you hope to get something different. Follow me? So that basic recipe is, is intrinsic to the human heart. We think that in order to gain blessing or favor from a deity, we must do X, Y, or Z. And we might even believe that if we are faithful to do A and B, God is then, I don't know, almost obligated to perform C on our behalf. So the covenant that God establishes with his people, he, is want, he wants to be a 
abundantly clear that he does not operate that way. He does not operate on the basis of you performing A and B in order to oblige him to perform C on your behalf. God bases his covenant love for you on his faithfulness, not yours. This, brothers and sisters, is what the Bible calls freedom. You are not obligated to perform anything in order to gain something from God. He has done, on your behalf, everything necessary for your deliverance, for your atonement, for your forgiveness, for your wholeness, for your freedom. He's done it all. It's based on his faithfulness. And so, that's where we begin, as God is trying to emphasize to his people who are living in an ocean of polytheism, right? Every culture around them has all these multiple gods that they're trying to appease. Imagine you want your crop to succeed. Um, you got to go pay somebody for that hope. Uh, you have, your, your wife is pregnant. You want her to deliver a healthy baby. Well, you got to go pay somebody, some deity, for that benefit. Uh, whatever it is, whatever it is that you want, in this world around God's people, you got to pay for it. you got to produce. You've got to perform A and B. And God says, no. That's not how I work. I'm gonna, I want to free you from all of that, and I want you to know, here it is, Joshua 1.9, his word is his bond. God has made a promise to you is based on his faithfulness, and he does not break his promise. You, therefore, can live with courage and strength. You don't have to be afraid of God not performing C on your behalf. And, and I'll just say it this way. If we are secure in our covenant relationship with God based upon his faithfulness, if we can land there and stay there, then we're not afraid. We're not afraid. So if God does not perform C on my behalf, if something tragic happens in my life, I still have a covenant relationship, a connection to the God who is always with me in the good, in the bad, in the in-between. We have a God who is eternally faithful. We'll get to that in a minute. We can live with courage and with the confidence that God is always with us. Whether C happens or doesn't happen, his word is his bond. He will always fulfill what he promises. His covenant is his contract. Where he cuts into flesh his promise. No, it just and he makes says, sense. This blood yeah. that comes at the sign of my covenant is a symbol that, that I will spill my own blood for yourself. in order to bring you forgiveness, I... covenant fulfillment, redemption, atonement, and ultimately spiritual peace. And so here in Judges 2 1 and 2, we see again that God will never break his promise. 
Margo, please mute yourself, honey. Oh, I'm sorry. The story is very um, common, recurrent evidence that God's people are not the faithful ones in the Bible. It is God who is faithful. It is his people who fail. And it is the covenant that brings restoration of the divine heart to the broken soul of man. We have to understand this, that the covenant is not based on my performance, that I'm forgiven, I'm loved, and I have a pathway to restoration, to healing, and to hope eternal through the terms of this divine covenant, that the innocent blood of another will be spilled on my behalf, and there I will find forgiveness that lasts forever. So let me take you into a couple of the other historical books. I'm going to go first to the book of Ruth and then to the book of 1 Samuel. And we'll talk about another aspect of of covenant faithfulness that we see playing out through the historical books. Interestingly, um, most, but not all, of the great examples of humans exhibiting covenant faithfulness in the Old Testament are women. And one of those women is Ruth. The most interesting thing about Ruth as, a, as an example of covenant faithfulness is that she was not Jewish. She grew up in, uh, a, I think, a Moabite village uh, and married a Jewish young man who was the son of a woman named Naomi. And Naomi and her husband had to leave Israel when they were young married and find a place where there was no famine, where they could farm and and make a living. And so they did, and this happened to be Moab. And there their sons met and fall in in love with two Moabite women, one of whom is Ruth. And then, um, sort of as as the tragedy of the book of Ruth unfolds, or opens, really, uh, Ruth's husband, I mean, sorry, Naomi's husband dies, and both of her sons die unexpectedly. And there's these three women who are left with no one to provide for them, which in the ancient world was a really big deal. And so uh, Naomi, in an act of, of covenant kindness, says to these two young women, listen, girls, I know that you are legally bound to stay with me, but I'm going to free you to go home, back to the house of your father, and start over. You can go find a new husband, you can find it, you're young, you have a future, I'm going to go back to my people, you go back to your people. And after some negotiation, um, Naomi's first daughter-in-law agrees to leave, kisses Naomi goodbye, and this is what Ruth says to Naomi instead of kissing her goodbye. But Ruth said, do not urge me to leave you. Or to return from following you. For where you go, I will go. And where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people. And your God, my God. And where you die, I will die. And there, I will be buried. May the Lord do so to me and more also if anything but death 
parts me from you. Wow. Wow. This young woman got it. Do you know why she got it? Because her mother-in-law had exhibited to her covenant kindness. Here's how it works. Naomi knew her rela- in her relationship with God who she was. She had strength and courage, as God told Joshua to have. She was not afraid, and she knew that God was with her. And she showed uh, probably some very, a very unusual level of kindness toward her daughter-in-laws, that they were not expecting from a foreigner, that they were not expecting from a mother-in-law, that they were just simply not expecting. And they grew up in their young marriages in a household with a godly, strong, confident, bold, loving woman. And so when Ruth was faced with the possibility of going back to the unknown or just staying with that woman who had shown her covenant kindness, she's like, I'm not going anywhere. I get it. I get what you have taught me. And here's how I'm going to express it. Where you go, I go. Your God, my God. Your grave, my grave. Your people, my people. Wow. And so she expresses this aspect of covenant faithfulness to Naomi. Then to take you to the polar opposite, I'm not going to give you the whole story, but there was a man named Saul who was the first king of Israel. Um, I don't think I can overstate this, but prideful idiot is probably the best way to summarize Saul's leadership style. And uh, so here he is. He's anointed by Samuel to be the king of Israel. And he's sort of an obvious choice for king. He's taller than everyone else. He's strong. He's young. He's capable in war and battle. Um, he's... He's sort of a golden boy, but he's also a prideful person and makes some really bad choices. And ultimately, Saul ignores God's covenant faithfulness and exhibits what would best be described as covenant unfaithfulness. And then I'll I'll just read you what happens. This is sort of at, at the point where God turns to Saul and says, dude, you're done. You had, you had a dynasty before you that I was going to establish, but you, in your covenant unfaithfulness and your unrepentance, have basically taken yourself out of the game. You're being benched, and I'm putting in another king. And that king's name, as you know, was David. Um, and so this is the end of Saul and the beginning of David from 1 Samuel chapter 13, just verses 13 and 14. Samuel said to Saul, You have done foolishly. You have not kept the command of the Lord your God, with which he commanded you. For then the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. But now your kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart, and the Lord has commanded him to be prince over his people, because you have not kept what the Lord commanded you. So let's look at these two examples in the, in the, 
book, the historical books, one of incredible covenant faithfulness expressed by Ruth and the other of, of Saul's covenant unfaithfulness that he lived out in his own life and choices. This is the second thing I want us to take today, that our faithfulness should reflect the covenant. Our faithfulness, the way we live, should reflect God's covenant faithfulness. That God wants us to live in such a way that other people go, yes, I see it. I see love. I see peace. I see strength. I see courage. I see someone who's not afraid. They're secure in who they are in Christ. And so we are to inspire others by showing faithfulness the same way that Ruth did. So think about it. Naomi's faithfulness, expression of faithfulness to Ruth, inspired Ruth to say what she said. Ruth's expression of faithfulness has inspired generations of people, right? Our faithfulness should reflect the nature of God, who he is. We should show that faithfulness at home, as Naomi did to Ruth, and we should show that covenant faithfulness and loving kindness to all kinds of people, Every culture, every race, every ethnicity, every language should hear that God is love, that there is peace in Jesus Christ, that all of this striving and, and attempts to satisfy the divine have come to an end at the foot of the cross, that there we are at rest, we are at peace, we have love eternal. We are to inspire others by showing faithfulness, and we are to know that we will incur pain by breaking faithfulness. The covenant that God established with, with humanity does not say that we have to be perfect. In fact, it assumes we will not be. And God says very plainly, look, sin, and we talked about this in week one in the crisis of sin, it brings violence and suffering and death. Those are the consequences of sin. It's bad. It's unpleasant. But we have a God who has established a way to atone for our sins, that is to wash us of our uncleanness and restore us into right relationship with him. And so that's what the covenant is. We are to remember that sin yields devastation but that the repentant heart finds redemption. So let's just talk for a moment. If you know the story, Saul was prideful and foolish, um, and he lost his right to a legacy, to a dynasty, because his heart was not soft towards God. David, you could argue, was actually a worse sinner than Saul. Like, if you, if you want to count the sins David committed, like, I don't know, murder and adultery, right? He's checked off more of the big ten than Saul did. But his heart was repentant. It was softened towards God. He 
I guess, knew he was an idiot. He admitted it. He came clean, and, and he came back to the heart of God. So what you need to know is that God wants your heart to soften, that he wants you to repent, to come back into loving relationship with him. And think about this. I mean, I don't have to tell you what you've done that you struggle with. Like, I got my own laundry list. You don't want to know it. If you knew everything I've sinned, you wouldn't listen to me when I preach. And if I knew everything you sinned, I wouldn't bother preaching to you. Right? But the truth is that God loves us. And he wants to redeem and restore and forgive and bring us to a place of peace in covenant relationship with him. These are the themes that are borne out in the historical books. I'm going to jump through uh, just one passage from 2 Samuel, and then I'm going to jump into the New Testament a little bit and try to tie this all up. All right, so 2 Samuel, God is talking to David, and he says something very cryptic. We would call this a prophecy. Uh, and it's actually the prophet Nathan is talking to David. And uh, um, this is what God says to David. When your days, 2 Samuel 7, verses 12 through the first part of 14, um, when your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring after you who shall come from your body, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. So every prophecy has a near-term fulfillment. That would be, his name was Solomon, who was David's direct descendant who built the temple for Israel in Jerusalem. Um, but there's this cryptic, his throne will be established for eternity, and he will be my son, and I will be his father. That is only fulfilled in Christ. It is only ultimately fulfilled through Jesus Christ. And so, who, if you read the Gospel of Luke, I believe, it is, and, and Matthew, but it is clear that Gina, Jesus' genealogical lineage comes through David. Also includes Ruth, interestingly, um, who was not an Israelite. Um, but let me just jump to the New Testament. I'm going to read from Luke 19 and John 2. I believe these are two different occasions where Jesus has gone into the temple and cleared out the money changers. I believe he did this twice. I believe he did it once very early in his ministry to kind of set the stage and say, you're going to have to deal with me. And I believe he did it again right before his crucifixion on his way into Jerusalem as if to say, now is the time. Like, I'm going to stir up so much trouble, you're going to have to execute me. And so... Um, We'll look at both of those, but there's just some, some wording around these two events. So remember, God said to David that your descendant will build my temple. And now we're going to read 
from Luke 19, 45 and 46. This is Jesus. And he entered the temple and began to drive out those who sold, saying to them, It is written, My house shall be a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of robbers. And Jesus proceeds to literally, violently turn over the tables and chase out the money changers. These were, this was a corrupt system that had developed in, inside the temple. Then from John 2, verses 19 through 21, says this, Jesus answered them, destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. The Jews then said, it has taken 46 years to build this temple, and you will raise it up in three days? But he was speaking about the temple of his body. So Jesus is effectively saying, I am the temple of God. What is the temple? Well, if you look first at the tabernacle, the sign that God was there was what? Fire by night, smoke by day. You could see the smoke during the day. You could see the fire at night. That in this temple was God's dwelling place where he was fulfilling his promise to live with his people. And Jesus says, I am the fulfillment of that promise. I am the temple. I am God dwelling with you. I am the one. And he effectively says to anyone who was listening that this temple of his body will be destroyed and on the third day it will rise from the dead. It will take Ruth's statement that I will be with you until death and push it right through the barrier of death into eternal life. That I will lay down my life on the cross that you can live with me for eternity. And <clears throat> here's the, the clincher, 1 Corinthians 12, 27. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. Do you know what that means? So on the day of Pentecost, you can read this in Acts chapter 1, little flames, they said it were like little tongues of fire, little flames of fire descended on each one of Christ's followers at the temple. This, brothers and sisters, is a huge cosmic transference of God's presence from being present in the temple and then in Christ and then exploded out into each one of your hearts. God is alive. He is present. The flame of his presence is with you, each one of you. Here's, like, this is I'm, what I'm about to say should terrify you. You are the hope of the world. Right, like God's made a bad decision. He put it in our hands, right? And what am I going to do with it? I'm going to mess it up. I'm going to trip all over it. I'm going to fumble it. I'm going to blow it. And guess what? The covenant is not based on my faithfulness. 
It is based on the faithfulness of my creator. So let's just take away from these verses the last little uh, tidbit for today that Christ's faithfulness fulfilled the covenant. He is the promised one that God promised to and through David, descended from David and God's eternal son. His promise never fades, never fails. His word is upheld, it is fulfilled. He provides the blood of atonement for the forgiveness of our sins. He is the promised one. He is God with us. He is that flame of the Spirit alive in each of our hearts. He is the temple, the place where God dwells, and you are his body. You and I are God's presence on earth. I agree with you. I think it was a bad decision. But you know why he made that decision? Because he loves you. And he loves everyone that you have the capacity to share his light with. He wants his love to spread. That's his passion. And so that fire continues to burn. And think about it. Like, I still, like, what are we doing? What are we doing? Do you know where we are? We're in the middle of nowhere. Compared to where Jesus was when he said these words of fulfillment, this didn't even exist. It was just rocks. And yet, here we are. Because God's promise never fails. And we have just in this room so many cultures, ethnicities, histories, geographies represented. We are a living miracle that the grace of God has brought together people from all over humanity to say one thing, that Jesus Christ is God, is Lord, is Savior, is Redeemer, is Friend. Will you pray with me? God, our Father, we marvel at your word that your Son came to fulfill all the terms of the covenant, that our standing before you is based on his covenant faithfulness and not our own. We are eternally grateful that you created a way for us to know you, for us to return to you, for us to be delivered from bondage, to be atoned from our sin, to be restored into right relationship with you, to know what love is, and to step into the calling to express that love and covenant faithfulness in our own lives. Lord, fill us with your Holy Spirit that we may be like Ruth to those around us, that we may inspire love and courage and strength in the hearts of others to know that you are with them, that you are the eternal God who lives within each one of us. 
we thank you for this blessing, this privilege, this calling that you have placed upon us. Fill us with your spirit that we may live it out. In Jesus' name, amen. time in our service that we call the operatory um, portion and uh, it's a time where we really just reflect on on what God is speaking to us um, so for those anybody who's new here uh, typically churches during offering time they pass an offering plate and that's not something that we do here at Hope um, there are opportunities certainly to give to Hope Church and you can find instructions on how to do that in your bulletin electronically and we also have a, a bucket in the in the back um, financial gifts to our church support the operation of this church it also supports missions uh, missionaries that we support that are not here in San Antonio uh, but elsewhere um, when we think of offering we, we we really seek to think broadly about what that means and how we give of ourselves as an entire person that God has made 
Um, and so that means, you know, how we use our time, how we use our, our talents, our energy, as well as what God has given to us. Um, and uh, so, and, it, and it's really in re response to what God has done for us. So it's not that we do things to earn God's favor. That was explained well, I think, today. Um, but just acknowledging that God has just done everything for us. Um, you know, how do we give back in thanks as, a, as an offering of thanks to him? Uh, and that's where we, um, how we approach this time. We do have someone in the back who, uh, if anyone here needs prayer or would like to pray with someone about uh, anything going on in your life or anything that's on your heart, uh, and you would find that uh, helpful, um, Carl, one of our elders, is in the back corner, and he's available to meet with you. So take advantage of that opportunity. So we also use this time just to, to reflect on what God, what God has shared through through Tom. And so the, the idea of covenant, and I'm just going to, share a couple of thoughts that I have uh, and what spoke to me. Um, I like that passage in Joshua uh, about being strong and courageous uh, and do not be frightened, do not be, be dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Uh, and that is something we have talked about in our family uh, on occasion. Um, and Ruth's example of just showing faithfulness is just such a strong example. Um, and Tom also mentioned that you are the hope of the world uh, and that we're called to be in that position. So God enables us to be the hope. Uh, there's a verse that says you're the light of the world. We've talked about that before as well. But uh, another thing that I, I wanted to go, just go back to is Esther. Uh, that was mentioned, but we didn't talk about Esther. That's one of the books in the historical portion of, of uh, the Bible. And there's a there's the story of Esther, I think you all are probably familiar with, but she was Jewish, and she was basically rose to the level of queen in the country of Persia. And, you know, the, the story goes that she was basically put in a position to do something to, that ultimately saved her people. And the verse that comes to mind was her uncle, Mordecai, said, and who knows whether you have not come to the kingdom for such a time as this. And so what I would ask you to think about and what it, what it impresses on me is that we are placed in places in our lives. God puts us in certain places, and it may be like a queen, like Esther. Uh, most of us are not in that type of, a, type of a role. But we are uniquely placed uh, wherever that is to be with touching the lives of people, whoever, you know, where, where we, that are around us and uh, interacting uh, with people that only we can interact with. And so what is God asking us to do? And what are the things that are there uh, in those places where I have been placed, where you have been placed? How do we show faithfulness? How do we show God's light and God's hope to the world, specifically to those people that only you have that connection with? And so I would ask you, as we think about offering. Know, where are those points and how can we um, be that light and that hope to those that are around us and, and that's what speaks to me uh, maybe I'll speak to you in, in, a, in a similar way but I'd ask you just to think about that as the music plays for just a moment and then I'll close this in prayer <laughs>
Dear Heavenly Father, we are uh, thankful for, for, for all that you have done for us, for saving us, for uh, sending your Son to die on the cross for us, to make us clean and right before you. And thank you for where you have placed us. We, are, we acknowledge that you are with us no matter where we go and that we can be bold and courageous like you have said. Lord, where we are in life, I just pray that you would give us the wisdom and the courage to be the light to those around us. In this we pray. Amen. Will you stand as we close our time together in worship once more?
praise God. Did I do that again? Yep. <clears throat> Am I on? I was on. There you are. All right. <laughs> I'm a low-tech redneck. So, um, just, just in case you think that I slighted Esther today, <laughs> just in case, we got it. We got it. March the 5th, we are hosting <laughs> a traditional celebration of Purim, the Feast of Purim. So the church service on March the 5th, the entire scroll of Esther will be read in English. You, we can read it in Spanish if you want to. And any other, any other languages that would like to read it, let me know, and we will have it read in your language. Um, and that, I'm serious. So, like Jack, if you want it read in Polish, just come on up with a Polish copy of Esther and knock it out. Yeah. All right. Now, I'm, what? No, I don't think anyone speaks Polish. Who, I don't think they even speak Polish in Poland. That was a joke. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Two shows nightly. Don't forget to tip your weight staff. Um, but March the 5th, we're going to have the Festival of, of Purim. Is Joe Novak in here? There he is. What are those things called? Oh. Hamatashins will be served. You will be given a recipe if you, were, if you would choose to make it, and you can make a batch of Hamatashins. Oh, what? Hamatashin. Um, but we're going to have food. We're going to have fun. It's going it, to there'll be um, some little sort of like costumes, but not really costumes. But we'll have some things for you to wear if you choose to, or you just want to be normal. You can be normal. Um, but we're going to have a lot of fun. So we will. We've not slighted Esther. We've, we're going to make a big deal out of Esther that day. Everybody cool? Got it? And then that will be the beginning of a series of messages where we're going to look at the festivals and, and feasts that are enumerated in the Old Testament. But I wanted to do this series first so we understand the big themes so that when we're celebrating, we know like what we're celebrating. Um, but it just so happens that the, the Feast of Purim falls on March 5th. So we're going to do that that Sunday, and then we're going to conclude with Passover, uh, the week of Holy Week, uh, Easter, and, and an actual Seder on Thursday night before Easter. So that's like a Last Supper kind of thing, but in a very Jewish uh, way, but with the Christian themes and overtones, so you can see how it all comes together. All right? If you don't like lamb, you should not come that Thursday night, or bring chicken or something. We'll, have, we'll probably have something. But anyway, all right, where was I? God loves you, and he wants you to leave this place and this time that we've had together with his blessing, that his blessing will give shape to who you are, to how you live out the week that is ahead of you, that you will have those echoes of Ruth in your heart as you relate to people around you, that you will exhibit God's covenant faithfulness to others, that you will remember his covenant faithfulness to you. Hear these ancient words of blessing, and may they give shape to who you are and how you live this week. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace.
In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. May you go in his peace.